the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Intelligent. Conservative. The answer. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Hey everybody, welcome to the Andrea K Show. Um, I'm not 102 pounds. I'm not wearing a dress or my red pumps tonight. This is Gary Quackenbush of the Word on Wealth Show. Um, I have a regular guest on Andrea's show. It would be tonight at 7 o'clock, which would be right now. Uh, but we've got guests coming up. I'm sitting in for Andrea K. tonight. We've got a couple of guests coming up, which are going to be wonderful. Uh, we've got an interview with Mike Gallagher. Super cool. About some of the Super Bowl ads, some stuff that's going on, kind of controversial there. And uh, Dr. Julie Gatza will be coming up later in the hour. We're going to talk about sugar. Sugar, sugar. So that's going to be my favorite interview of the night. It's going to be fun. Uh, what I found today, this is in the section that Andrea K. calls news you can use, where we usually come up with some wacky, crazy law. Um, but uh, it's also called news you can use. And what is happening in San Diego? This is the news that I don't like to hear. Is um, we, you know, beach fires in San Diego are awesome, right? Well, they're now changing that, and um, they don't want you to use wood, so that's a little frustrating. You know, one of the things that we do on the beach is we do a a beach bonfire somewhere. Well, you can't do any wood bonfires anywhere in San Diego except in the pit. So that's about it. There's not that many. So you don't build them on the beach or you're going to be in trouble, which I think is kind of annoying. At least they're going to let us do it in the pits. At least that's from what I'm reading. But other than that, you got to do, uh, instead of your bundle of wood, you got to go and get your propane tank and have your little fire that way. So, oh, well, the world is getting tougher. Anyway, I don't know the purpose of that. Maybe it makes the beach dirty, which doesn't really matter because it washes away in the winter. Who knows? All right, so as a, as the Word on Wealth host and tonight as the Andrea K host sit-in, uh, I would like to share with you a couple things I talked about on my show today that really I think – obviously I think they're cool things because it's what I talked about. But um, probate rules – control you know probate is one of these things where we it sounds like the word is really terrible oh my gosh probate's awful attorneys we do that we make things sound terrible and we you know because it kind of fits fits our needs probate is long expensive avoidable all that as long as you have an estate plan that's put together will trust power of attorneys all that kind of stuff that i do sometimes you still even as hard as you try sometimes things go into probate that doesn't mean that wills don't work that doesn't mean that trusts don't work to keep you out of probate it just means that sometimes you have to go to a probate court judge to ask for things and one of the things you do is if there's an issue like let's say a trust was put together and it was done poorly i see them all the time 
mom and dad pass away, you're trying to figure out what's going on with the trust and you don't understand what it says because some of the language is messed up because maybe somebody did it themselves, a DIY or a bad bad piece of free software that they downloaded to do a trust and now it needs to be interpreted. So we have to go to court in front of a probate court judge and ask for an interpretation of the rule. So sometimes even though you have a trust, you're in probate court. So probate court isn't the bad thing. What's bad is if your probate, if your um, estate plan is so messed up that you have to go and go through a whole entire petitioning process to, to put all of the assets and everything through probate, that's the bad thing. And that's if you don't have a trust. If you have a trust, you can avoid probate. Sometimes you still have a little bit of probate, but they're smaller, or you can do summary probates if the amount that you're probating is less than $180,000. So probate is not a bad word. It is not an evil thing. It's something that's avoidable, but it does happen. So if you're if you if your mom and dad have a trust and you end up in probate court because you're trying to make a determination of something, that's not the end of the world. That's okay. The other thing that you use, even with trust, we use probate court constantly for, and that is to make determinations as to whether or not the successor trustee who's running the show is doing right by the beneficiaries. The job of every successor trustee is to do exactly what the trust says they're supposed to do. And most like one we read today, we're trying to figure out why is the trustee being so slow? And, um, you know, and it doesn't say in the trust how fast things are to be, to be distributed. So we looked at the trust and I said, well, here's a couple words, words that we need to, you know, go over. And one is um, that, you know, once the person, you know, once the person dies, then the trustee shall make distribution to the beneficiaries as follows. And it doesn't say do it immediately, do it tomorrow. But those words like, you know, after the person dies, shall distribute. It doesn't say in 10 years, in five years, in a year and a half. It's when you feel like it's within a reasonable period of time. And the probate court is going to say reasonable period of time for specific distributions and to get things done is about a year. If it takes longer than that. You're starting to really push things. But the whole idea with um, you know, taking care of a trust administration and your will and getting it done right is you reduce the risk of going to probate. And if you can avoid probate altogether, which 90% of the time you can, you can. it's just cheaper, it's faster. Probate court just takes a long time. So that's my tip of the day. If you have a trust, make sure your stuff is in it because if you have a trust and you haven't put in your bank accounts and your car and your retirement accounts um, – you know, depending on their time, you know, investment accounts for sure, IRAs, 401ks, don't put them in your trust unless your trust is a retirement protection trust. Okay. It has to be an IRA conduit trust or a retirement protection trust. Don't bother putting your, you know, even the beneficiary designation of your qualified retirement plans like your IRA and your 401k, don't point them to your trust unless you know that your trust is a retirement protection trust or an IRA conduit trust. If it's not either of those, and you make it so that your retirement account passes through your trust to go to your beneficiaries, it's going to accelerate by double. It's going to double accelerate how fast that money needs to be pulled out of that trust. And that's not a good thing because when you're trying to pull all the money out of that retirement account within five years, that's way worse than having to pull it out in 10. So if it's not a retirement protection trust, please do not change your beneficiary designation of your retirement account and your IRA to go to that trust for distribution. Direct beneficiary is better or fix the trust by amendment or by redoing it and make it so it's a retirement protection trust. If you want help with that, call me at my office, 855-500-TRUST, 
855-500-TRUST. That's GQ Law. GQ Law is the sponsor of the Word on Wealth, which is the radio show that I do each Monday through Friday at 2 o'clock. And I'm on Andrea K show at 7 o'clock, just like I am tonight. But you also have me all the way to the top of the hour. we got a couple of guests coming up uh, pretty soon right here on the Word on Wealth. I'm sorry. This is the Andrea K show, folks, not the Word on Wealth. The Andrea K show there. Got it right. Um, she's probably going to fire me, but we're doing what we can. Now, what we've got coming up is Mike Gallagher interview. And he's interviewing Brad Hall. So it's going to be a recorded interview by Mike Gallagher, which, you know, Mike G, he's awesome. Um, he's, uh, it's going to be fun to have that. And it's, I'm so excited to be kind of part of something that he's a part of. That's really cool. And then at about the half hour, we're going to get uh, Julie Gatza. She's going to talk about sugar. And that is a really interesting topic, especially if you're diabetic or pre-diabetic or you want to stay healthy or you just want to just live longer and not have all these issues and problems. Uh, she's going to get into some of the technicalities and we'll try to kind of sort through them and make it in English. And that is coming up um, in a few minutes here on the Andrea K show. All right. So uh, as a wrap of our first segment, we are going to say coming up next, I've got an interview with Mike Gallagher interviewing Brad Hall about Jesus ads during the Super Bowl. Uh, Mike Gallagher, super conservative guy, really awesome. We're going to hear his Brad Hall interview about the ads during the Super Bowl coming up next, right after this break here on the Andrea K Show. There are lines open if you want to give us a call at 888-344-1170. We'll be back in just a minute. Information you hear on the Word on Wealth is for general information purposes only. This program discusses general financial and legal topics. Seek legal advice from a competent lawyer for your individual legal needs. The opinions expressed here do not necessarily represent the views of Salem Media Group or its sponsors. Welcome to the Andrea Kay Show. Good evening. This is Gary Quackenbush sitting in for Andrea Kay. Hey, this is a cool thing we've got coming up. We got Mike Gallagher, the pre-recorder of Mike Gallagher interviewing Brad Hill about Jesus ads during the Super Bowl. So listen up. Uh, fewer people than ever go to church. And so what a, a real shocker it was, I think for lack of a better word, to sit back and see a couple of ads about Jesus. And I cannot imagine oh, any country that we inhabit where a politician would object. But almost on cue, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez didn't like the ads. Nope, she's not. she wasn't very much in favor of the He Gets Us ads, um, which seemed to me to deliver the relatability of Jesus during a very troubled time. Brad Hill is with the He Gets Us campaign um, and wants to, I, I'm, I'm so excited to, to, to talk to somebody who can kind of tell us the origins of it, give us a little bit of the backstory to two very high profile ads. And if you look at all the charts, Brad, that show how people like the spot, you know, all the campaign ads, because Super Bowl ad watching is a is a, is a big sport. The, the He Gets Us ads were right up there, very popular, weren't they? Hey, Mike. Yeah. Good morning. Happy day after Super Bowl. We're, uh, yeah, we're waking up to some really interesting results. You're right. We, yeah, we were just looking at the USA Today ad meter 
yeah, people like to rank these things. Um, we had two ads, like you said, about this confounding love of Jesus. They came in at number eight and number 15. Nice. Um, we're thrilled with that. You know, people are rating uh, this message of Jesus higher than things like Pringles and TurboTax and, <laughs> and Jeep. I love so, that. So uh, we, we feel like that that's a message that actually reaches the, the right, the left, and everybody in between. No kidding. I mean, any day that Jesus would rank higher than Pringles on a favorability chart, I think it's a good day. It really, <laughs> it, it's an amazing campaign. It's pretty extraordinary to see the commitment that obviously a group of people have put behind advancing the word of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ to the masses. And um, I, I know you don't, I'm not going to get into the politics with you and you guys are not right left and you're, you're, you're purposefully non-denominational, but I mean, here was Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, arguably one of the highest profile members of Congress, tweeting out her disapproval of the ads. She said, something tells me Jesus would not spend millions of dollars on Super Bowl ads to make fascism look benign. Now, again, I'm not going to ask Brad Hill, my guest, if it's it's fair to think that Cong- uh, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez believes that Jesus was a fascist. But I'm sure you've heard the criticism about the spend. Talk a little bit about that pushback that I'm sure you guys have gotten. I'm sure it was many, many millions of dollars to run a 60 and a 30 second ad on the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, you know, we the whole time we've been at this project now, it's it's been about 10 months that he gets us has been running ads. A lot of your listeners probably Super Bowl wasn't the first time we we've we've been showing these on Major League Baseball and March Madness and the Grammys. Um, but the, the whole project really has been centered on one simple thing, and that is Jesus. That's his kind of brand of love that some would call radical. <laughs> and um, in fact, one of the things we see, interestingly, we haven't done an ad on this, but um, the, the controversy or some of the discussion that you're pointing out is something that was, was a parallel during Jesus' time. You know, he had government leaders, he had religious elites, he had a lot of people raising eyebrows, pointing fingers pretty upset. And um, so we've, we've seen similar things as we just try to bring out simple messages from him. We get, we get some, some similar interests, but I can tell you this morning on your money question, um, it, it is, it is costly to get a message out to the American people. And, um, and yet on a marketing spend, we've been, we've been grateful to have donors step up and support this. Um, It's a great deal. You know, last night, uh, Mike, you know, estimates are there were 110, 115 million people tuned in. Right. I think it was like 90% of televisions in America were watching the Super Bowl that were turned on. And you can't get that kind of exposure many other places. And then this morning I wake up just before I talk to you, and I've got, for example, one, uh, one person who's about to go do a, a mission trip uh, to reach children in slums and wants to know if they can bring he gets us shirts and some messages along because they want to do the work they're doing in Jesus name. And so we're, we're seeing these ads like compel people to do more physical acts 
you know, so so it's actually creating more generosity as a result of the media. You know, the Bible calls on all of us to to. I mean, I know this is an evangelistic theme. It calls on us to to open our hearts and 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 spread the good news, spread the word about the love of Jesus Christ. And you guys are putting, let's face it, you're putting your money where your mouth is. You know, and that this is an incredible thing. Brad Hill is our guest. He's uh, he's with your the the campaign. He gets us. He gets us. dot com. Incidentally, real easy website. He gets us. Com. I know you, uh, you're the chief solutions officer over at Glue. Glue is doing great work, too. Glue, uh, G-L-O-O, you're the leading creator of technology that makes it easier for churches and people to get connected with each other. So this has got to come, kind of come full circle for you with the work that you've been doing uh, for so long with Glue. And then to see this ad campaign that Glue was was kind of a part of and on the on you know at the in the boardroom with and figuring all out all the the X's and O's on this. It's got to be very gratifying for you, Brad, to see all this play out. It's it's very rewarding. Yeah. And last night, you know, we had a we beefed up our team to be ready for the Super Bowl. Um, glue is handling a lot of the conversations and a lot of the connections. Um, sto- I, could, I could go all day telling you stories just from last night uh, that, that came through. And this morning, we, we have uh, right now, Mike, over 20,000 churches that are connecting to the He Gets Us campaign. They're, you know, they're using glue, as you said, to to facilitate those conversations. Sure. And um, they're they're waking up this morning with tons and tons of stories, tons of conversations, by the way, from people who would not normally set foot in our churches, right. who are, you know, I, I just had a conversation with someone who describes himself as an atheist. And wow. he said, for the first time in 20 years, I'm feeling a sense of hope this morning because wow. of what you guys did on the Super Bowl. Brad, let me ask you, when you invest millions like this in two spots, uh, obviously I'm in the marketing business with the show. I mean, I, I endorse products and companies, and we're in fact involved in a campaign right now to bring relief efforts to Turkey and Syria through our Christian ministry partners, Food for the Poor. So we do this on a regular basis. I watch spreadsheets, and I know return on an investment. Uh, overall, is it too soon to, to know, or, or can you tell if it, it has been a success? Was, in other words, was the investment worth it? Was the juice worth the squeeze? Well, we're going to, we're going to see this play out, uh, Mike, at, at some macro levels. You know, we talk about ads and marketing and, and eyeballs and the like, but um, as I referenced, individual conversations at the end of the day is really what we regard as the the ultimate measure sure. of, of this. And, you know, we look out at social media this morning. If you saw the ads, you know, what, what we talked about last night was essentially how do we remind people to uh, model Jesus love with people whom, with, who, who, with whom you disagree. And, and by the way, there, and there were two ads, there's a 32nd version and a 62nd version. We want to, with your permission, we'd love to share it with our audience uh, through our website, mikeonline.com. We'll also text it out to everybody in just a minute or two. But the first ad was just, just delightful showing that, that famous video that went viral of a little black boy and a little white boy running to each other and giving them each other a hug. Jesus wants us to be childlike. He gets us. He understands it, uh, Understands us. The relevance of Jesus in our lives and the, the way Jesus should be relevant in our lives. But then the other ad, a little edgier, and it was about and showed some 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 scenes of of conflict and protest and 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 the message on the screen was Jesus loved loves those who we hate. What a powerful message. 
That's right. Yeah. And, and, uh, the, the success ultimately is, you know, I look at social media and, uh, you look at comments and how we all behave. It's, you know, in, in, in a sense, those two ads are, are this juxtaposition, right? G- There's so many places in scripture where Jesus calls us to be childlike. Right. So in a sense, it's sort of the best of children put up against the worst in adults. Right. That's and and so that it. was really the, that was the conversation, right? And yeah. so I think it's a challenge for me, for all of us to wake up and say, man, before I post that thing on Twitter or before I yell back at the customer service agent or whatever I'm doing, let me think about this a little bit. And maybe Jesus example helps us all, uh, you know, treat each other a little bit, a little bit better. Amen. Brad, you know, I have to say AOC's tweet aside, I don't think you've gotten the pushback that I was afraid you would get. Certainly not from the secular left. I know there'll be some internal debate about, about Christianity and evangelical Christians, but I, I get a sense as an observer, there hasn't been that much pushback. I think a lot of people are pretty gratified by the campaign. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I, we're 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 blown away, Mike, with with the response. And I think some people it, it takes them a, a couple of minutes to think about, wait, is it really this simple? Are you really just doing a large media push about Jesus? You know, as you said earlier, we're we're not affiliating with any church. It's not a denomination. Um, it really is that simple. In fact, we we lean into it. There's an article up on hegetsus.com simply titled "He Gets Us Has an Agenda." Um, and if you read it, what, what, what you'll find is that our agenda is pretty simple. It's, it's really just this radical love of Jesus that we're talking about. And folks are reading, they're watching, they are, uh, by the way, a lot of folks want to read more of the, from the Bible. They want right. to go to the source text, as one person put it. <laughs> and uh, so we, we've seen a, a tremendous uptick in that. And yeah, they're getting connected to churches and groups all over the country so the response has been just nothing short of breathtaking. Wow, that's fantastic. Imagine that, a campaign that directs people to Jesus and the Holy Bible. I can't imagine why people aren't complaining. <laughs> Brad, congrats, mm-hmm. congratulations. What a beautiful, beautiful moment that was. Andrea K. Show. Welcome, folks. Uh, glad to have you along tonight. This is Gary Quackenbush sitting in for Andrea K. This next interview I am so excited about. Um, we, fellow Americans, we have a big problem. <clears throat> it's a sweet problem that we have, and we're going to talk about how to kick it tonight with Dr. Julie Gatza. Julie is one of the nation's top chiropractic physicians with more than 30 years of clinical practice. That means she really knows her stuff. Now she goes all over the nation and telling people how to stop your sugar cravings and get healthy again. Julie, Dr. Julie, welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me on. Oh, this is super fun. So I, um, I love the topic. I love the fact that it is such a big deal because our poor nation, we are getting so full of sugar. It's not making it sweeter. It's just killing us. So talk to us about that a little bit. I mean, for sure by the end, and I really appreciate you being on the show, and I really want, for sure, by the end of the show, I want to make sure we have your five tips to beat sugar craving. But I, I, first of all, I want you to kind of help us understand, I think internally we kind of know like, oh, I shouldn't be eating this candy bar. I shouldn't be doing this here, but we don't do anything about it. So help us understand a little bit, why is sugar 
so bad for us. All right. So this is where I live. Uh, what happens with a, with a person? Let's just take a young kid who hasn't been raised on a lot of sugar. They have a metabolism that actually runs very efficiently. They eat good protein and vegetables and natural fruit sugars, and the metabolism runs perfectly to make energy at a cellular level. This means this person uh, can sleep at night, has tons of energy in the day. If they continue to stay on this type of a, uh, a, a regimen, they have lots of reserves that they've been you know, piling up. They get into their teen years, their 20s, and they've been raised pretty much how we used to be raised in the 50s. And uh, we had our fair share of sugars, but mostly it was homemade food and good choices and not a lot of snacking and not a lot of weird coffee places on every corner. So. <laughs> What what's occurred is we've started to escalate into some crazy idea that every day can be Christmas and that it's okay for your, you know, junior high student to go get a big coffee drink with whipped cream on it because they got an A on their test every day of the week. And it's bizarre that we're starting to we give our kids all these juice boxes and we flood them with all these crazy types of foods and high sugar, and even the baby food is filled with it. And then we look at ourselves as adults who are, you know, craving sugars, and we think, boy, you know, we used to have this willpower, and we don't have it anymore. It must just be age. It must be this. It must be hormones. And what's really happening is we've slipped into a sugar and carbohydrate-driven metabolism, pretty much all of us, and the body will not create its own energy without the carbohydrates and the sugar. So... You can. This can happen when you've just, you know, been off the rails for a while. It can happen if you've been under a lot of stress. It can happen when you've had a lot of holidays. It can happen just because you've not had good eating habits in ever or in a long time. And even though technology has gone crazy in our lifetime, does not mean that the bodies have also changed. Our bodies are the same types of uh, cellular components that we've had for over 2,000-plus years and they um, exist upon the same principles, and we're doing crazy things to them and wondering why we're sickly and why, you know, we have dark circles under our eyes and our kids are having a hard time and we're all chubby and, you know, we're having mental health issues and all these things are going off the rails because we are um, completely feeding ourselves incorrect. So what we're trying to do then, um, Dr. Julie, is is we're trying to maintain our energy and our I feel full levels and the satiation levels, we're trying to maintain them almost artificially with sugar and carbohydrates and not forcing our body to produce its own energy through eating good foods like vegetables and and nuts and natural proteins and stuff like that. Is that kind of what's happening? It's perfectly summed up. And, you know, we're feeding our kids, you know, cereal for breakfast and we're feeding ourselves coffee and a bagel and you know, expecting to have energy and, you know, priding ourselves on, oh, we skip breakfast and, you know, everyone's in a, you know, kind of a junky mood and we're all having a hard time and, you know, we're hurting and we're aching. We don't have energy. And and the real fact is we cannot produce our own energy properly. And when this occurs, you have a big imbalance in the gut. And since the digestive system happens to be the most important body part that you have, because that's how you're getting all your nutrition in and from all the different types of foods that we should be eating, um, it gets imbalanced. And we can have an overgrowth where you have um, 
the yeast that should be in a nice um, balance with bacteria gets overgrown, and now you have yeast that scream to be fed, and they need sugar and carbohydrates. So now we can have this, you know, willpower that's actually just not you trying to, you know, cut back and get back on a good rail. The fact is you've got an organism growing in the gut incorrectly, and it's screaming for sugar. So interesting. Um, I tend to eat pretty healthy, and then sometimes I kind of stop. Like my my thing is I go, I say, I eat. Um, I don't eat sugar until the weekend. Like I'll eat one day, like a Friday or Saturday, because that's when I kind of go off and I treat myself or whatever. But then I notice if I go off of that and I go, oh, forget it. Fine. There's a box. There's candy here. I'm just going to eat it. And then it's like, now I want more. And so now it's like, okay, I'm eating candy five days a week. And of course, the scale tells me I'm being stupid because I'm not hungry, but I'm not eating that much. I'm just eating a little candy bar. And so I'm not hungry because I'm kind of got that. But then I'm gaining weight and going, this is stupid. But it, it so I think what you're telling me and then what I'm seeing in the, the literature and stuff that you provided me before the show is that now my body is kind of like going, we want more sugar, we want more sugar. And that's because there's something happening like in my innards that is making it so that my body now wants more sugar. Is that what's happening? Well, there's two things. Yes, you can have a metabolism that's rolling just along, rolling along just fine. And, you know, it's creating your energy at a cellular level and you know, trillions of times a day, you're creating something called ATP, which is energy. And that's how we survive and heal and go through our lives. Um, if you start eating a lot more sugar, it's not always a yeast overgrowth or what we call candida. It can simply be that you've now switched your system over into the sugar-driven metabolism, and thus you now need sugar to make it feel okay and to have your energy and to get up in the morning. And so, you know, the toughest way to switch that back is just to tough it out and, you know, eat protein and have lots of vegetables and, you know, get your body back in track. And that just takes willpower and, you know, just some wherewithal. But, you know, there are other people who can't seem to get off the ride. And um, a lot of that does have to do with this um, candida, which is the overgrowth of yeast. And it's hard to um, determine that you actually have it by testing because there's no real test that you can say, oh, look, it's just a yeast overgrowth. You have to go by somebody's history and by what their symptoms are. So you can have somebody that's been on antibiotics and, you know, which one of us hasn't been on it at least once. Those antibiotics don't just wipe out the ear infection or the chest cold. Um, what it does is it wipes out even the good bacteria in the gut. And so now the yeast say, oh, great, nobody to keep us in balance. And this is where it can start. And this is why people you know, are having a tough time and get all sorts of other unwanted symptoms that come along with yeast that uh, they start taking other things that aren't really correct for that problem. And isn't it wonderful that the the medical industry is starting to figure that out and they're not just like, oh, antibiotic. Well, let's just try this. Maybe the antibiotic will work. And I think it's finally dawning that, wow, we make a lot of money on antibiotics, but it's probably not doing us any good. It's making it worse. I love that. You know, I have always loved chiropractors. They're my favorite people ever. I just, um, I had one guy, that a chiropractor friend of mine, uh, Dr. Mike Schwartz here in San Diego, and he, he's retired, but he used to come to my office every week. I had a table in my office and he would come every week and I felt so good. And so when I heard you were going to be on the show, I went, Oh my gosh, I already love Julie. This is so cool. Um, <laughs> Thank you. They're part of my cool. favorite people as well. Thanks. <laughs> well, it's because the, the, you come from a very 
a, you come from a, a different side of the medical industry. You come from the side of how to how to get your body to do what it's supposed to do with you know, adjusting and eating and and healthy and exercise and 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 my chiropractor guy. I mean that was his whole thing. It wasn't he wasn't. I mean it was never any pills or medications. He was going like, yeah, we just got to get your body to do what it's supposed to do because your body's incredible, incredible. But it well, really um, is, and you know I say this often. It sounds so odd, but if you really think about it. We don't fix a single thing. All we nope. do is get your body to return to what it should be doing. So, Absolutely. you know, a surgeon will actually fix something, but the chiropractors basically say, hey, this isn't, uh, you know, functioning properly. Why don't we get that back towards what normal is? Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to Dr. Julie Gottsud, having a great time talking about sugar and how to beat our sugar cravings because we've got to beat them, beat them to death, or we will end up. Uh, shortening our lives and being less healthy and enjoying less. So when we come back, uh, Dr. Julie is going to give us five tips for kicking the sugar habit. Coming up next here on The Andrew K Show. Hey, welcome to the Andrea K Show. Uh, this is so good. We are talking with, this is like my new best friend, I promise. We've got Dr. Julie and we are talking about sugar and our kind of, our addiction to sugar. And now we've been talking about that for about 15 minutes. And Julie, Dr. Julie is going to tell us five ways to kick our sugar addiction. I'm calling it the sugar addiction. I'm probably going a little further than she wants me to, but we are addicted to sugar. <laughs> Bottom line, clear and simple. How do we kick this habit, Julie? So one of the things that I've uh, been treating for so many years and really wanted to put a bubble around my practice because it was such a pain to uh, treat patients that had this candida overgrowth and this, you know, sugar craving. Um, It used to take anywhere from six months to two years to try to correct the imbalance that was going on with the body with all sorts of different types of teas and herbs and this and that. And I found a um, herb that only grows in New Zealand, and it's from a bush called a horopito bush. And it actually has been used by the um, indigenous tribes of New Zealand for, you know, thousands of years. And uh, what it does is it actually kills off yeast colonies. So you take one pill for 30 days, and this um, has a little bit of a die-off stage for the first three to four days where you can maybe get a little headachey and fatigued but you take this and after 30 days you pretty much have reset the system so this can happen when somebody is craving the sugars and you know on a roll that they can't stop or they've been on antibiotics and you know they know that they've already wiped this out so it's called colorex and um i uh recommend it to anyone who's trying to get their weight under control their cravings under control and it just makes the whole system uh a lot easier. It's like uh, taking off your roller skates while you're trying to go uphill and um, make sure your task a little uh, more doable. Um, the second nice. thing that you can do is you can eat smaller, more frequent meals. Um, it's not any, you know, rocket scientist um, new found information, but certainly eating smaller meals uh, just gives your body the ability to break it down and to utilize each one of the things that you're eating every time that you're doing that. And I think um, in, as far as like the size of meals too, because you, you commented on that, it's like st- smaller ones as opposed to larger ones. 
And I, I mean, for me, it's a lot of it is if I eat a large one, I actually feel full and then I eat, I crave more. <laughs> if I really stuff myself, mm-hmm. I get, I crave sugar again. But if I eat a small <laughs> meal, several of them, I just, it's so funny. When I'm full, I feel like I want to eat more sugar, which is really bizarre. It's like, I need a piece of candy. It's like, no, you don't. You're full. So I like, I know, the, and I you like know, some of that meals. does sort of, it, it calms down the body. So, you know, what I would recommend with somebody like that is uh, just have a piece of fruit, you know, just yeah. that fruit and just waiting just a minute or so, you know, five, 10 minutes, you'll find that, oh, okay, that craving has gone away now. And, you know, a lot of people do sort of need a little bit of sweet at the end of a meal and fruit is the easiest. All right. Good one. All right. So we got the... Um, Horopita plant. We got smaller, more frequent meals. Toss out sugar. Oh, you really want us to go through and throw out all of our sugar? I mean, oh, I do not so know hardcore. any other way to do it. You're Man. going to find it if you don't. <laughs> so, you know, if you're really trying to start things up and, you know, we've all made our resolutions and now it's February and it's time to actually get serious about those. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've tasted all the taste. You've tasted all the cookies and had everything that mom made and made it yourself. And it's time now to realize, you know, if you don't get your act together by some time in February, you're basically not going to follow it. So make it easy on yourself and get rid of the junk in the house and toss it out. You don't need it. It's not helping you. Got it. Okay. Home cleansing, pantry cleansing. Got it. Check. Next box. And so the next one is um, carry some This is my favorite one. Yeah, my favorite snack for anyone, and I think it's underrated, is um, hard-boiled eggs. Uh, they're, they come in their own container. You can throw one into a purse in a plastic bag. You can, you know, throw one in, in a brown bag and let it sit all day. They're perfect food. It's high protein. It's good fat. It gets utilized properly. It's easy to break down. If you wait five or ten minutes after eating an egg, you will calm down on how hungry you were. You won't have to have that second cup of coffee or that chocolate bar that's sitting in your desk or that, you know, donut that's in the office. Just have a really good protein and uh, you're going to do yourself a big favor and be happy about it later. 100%. It's all about the protein. I'm telling you, that knocks it out for me. I have some type of high protein, especially eggs. Um, but I, is it okay if I put sugar on the eggs? <laughs> It'd be better if you use salt and pepper. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You use, actually, you actually, tahini. I use tahini because I have to take a, I have to keep a low sodium diet because I have you know some okay. issues. But so low sodium diet. So I use tahini because the sodium is really low and it's got lime yeah. and pepper. I mean, uh, you know, like spices. So it, it kind of makes it. I've had to go to spicy instead of salty. So. Oh. Smart. So well, you do hard boiled egg, a little bit of tahini, perfect snack. And now you have confirmed that for me, so I feel justified. Yep. The other way I like to do it is a little olive oil, some vinegar, and um, some uh, oregano. Oh, no way. That's okay. I'm doing that next. That's fantastic. Yeah. Love it's it. really great. It's Greek tasting, and, you know, it just makes the whole egg taste different and nice. Nice. So the next one is. Um, if you're trying to do this, you know, just don't rush it. Why don't you take, you know, plan on taking a good five to seven days to clean the house out. Um, start, you know, meal prepping a bit. Just buy some good food, freeze some things, pull things out in the morning and, you know, use your crock pot. Don't rush things. Just sort of get your, your act together on this. And, you know, even if you're making mistakes, you're doing better than not doing it at all. 
And if you're trying to change it, not just for yourself, but with your family as well, get the camp, the family involved, you know, have the kids choose a meal that they want to make and help you make on, you know, one night of the week. And same thing with their lunches, have them, you know, start mm, helping make those lunches so that they're involved. It's a lot easier to do that when you got everyone's agreement as compared to, you know, you've changed it up, plop the food in front of them, and now they turn their noses up and they're, you know, and you're upset about it and they're upset about it. So get them all involved. It really makes a big difference. That's really cool. I love that. My um, Some of my kids, they, they're really good about this with their own children. And um, it's like when I see their snack plates, they're pretty. I mean, they literally have like crazy colors. It's like purple grapes and a piece of, you know, uh, it has the, a white cheese or orange cheese. And then it has a little, it's just really, it, it's fun when you get to where you're actually doing these good snacks and stuff like that. It's actually beautiful. You have this kind of pre setup and she has them set, you know, help the kids kind of set up and make a smiley face with her green peppers or whatever, but it's pretty cool. And I, I agree with you. And I think that's really cool is like, if you're whoever you're trying to help do better at eating, have them part of the pro- process. I mean, even if it's your spouse or your kid or or a friend at the right. office, is have them be part of it. And I just think, I mean, it's a lifestyle. It really has to be a life change. It, it is. You know, we're all battling. You know, the fast foods and the commercials and you know the easy access to you know all the things that you know. When I grew up, we got them on holidays, and now we can get them all mm-hmm. the time. I mean, this yeah. is a tough planet to keep yourself healthy and fit and slim and, you know, feeling good. And it's not just a matter of, you know, it's just, you know, when you are healthy and fit, you will do better. You can think better. You'll produce more. You'll be nicer. You'll, you know, just feel good yourself. So this Dr. Julie, how do we, how do people get a hold of you so they can have all this good information after this interview is over? You got 15 seconds. How do we get a hold they, of you? Can, they can go to Nature's Sources, which is the website, and check out the Colorex, um, which is the yeast-fighting herb. Or they can okay. call the 1-800 number, and um, and they can get 20% off their first order, which is 1-800-827-7656. Thank you, Dr. Julie Gatz. I appreciate it. All right. Good night, everybody. Thanks for being on the Andrea K. Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.